Hey, Al. Hey, Barry. Why will no vampire ever work for a corporation? Why? They can't stand stakeholders. It's time for Compelled Duel! <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Compelled Duel. I'm Barry. And I'm Al. And we are a single-player, co-DM'd, 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. Last time on Compelled Duel. Oh, God. <laughs> Lero Valsine entered the Voldoran city of Gimtarum, went on a shopping spree, experienced a lot of information in a very short amount of time, and then went to decompress at a nightclub where he almost had a very interesting night with Zed Stonebloom. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Before being interrupted by running headlong into his sister. So, um, today, we're gonna figure out how Fee ended up in that nightclub. We sure are. Fee, the ship that you stowed away on to get out of Estalor docks in the neutral port town of Caveshore. Quite a bit later. It's mostly just been you and Fen, Kalesa, Arave, Phineas, and Verity all hunkered down behind these big crates in this hold of this ship for most of the time. But it's not hard for you to feel the kind of slowing of the ship and the lurch as it is lashed onto a dock. Okay, we're not still invisible. No, absolutely not. That wore off after an hour. So, yeah, you're going to have to visibly walk off the boat. You can try to stealth. Yeah, I'm going to turn to everybody and ask, does anyone have something that could uh, help us off this boat without being noticed and presumably captured? Verity actually raises a hand and goes, Um, I, yeah, if you need something that can make us really quiet and like a little bit invisible, I actually... And she grabs her necklace that's around her neck, the big quartz crystal point, and a pass without a trace spell drops on all of you. So all of you have plus 10 to any stealth checks. You just have to be within 30 feet of Verity. Excellent, excellent. Okay, uh, then yeah, we're going to try to get off the boat. So stealth check from you, please. And then I will also roll a group stealth check. Okay, so I got a plus three, plus 10. So I have a 29. Okay. Uh, so Fen gets... Fen still gets a 26, even with disadvantage. Kalesa gets a 37. I love Kalesa Petris. Kalesa just straight up disappears from in front of you guys. You you don't know where she is. She's gone. Erevé gets a 24. Verity gets... A 15. <laughs> Verity's just bringing down these stealth averages, man. I don't know what to tell you. And uh, Phineas, because we have to roll for Phineas, gets a dirty 20. So you guys are fine. Again, Verity casts this pass without a trace spell on you guys and still manages to trip over herself getting off the boat. I love her. Let me just roll... 
Yep. Okay. You guys are all very unnoticed as you sneak off the boat. However, there was at least one person on this vessel that knew that you were here, Fee. This captain of the boat that you saw Alasha talking to, again, very willowy, kind of tall, infernal elf woman with long, spiraling, like, antelope horns and jade green skin and a tricorn hat kind of half-cocked between her horns. She makes eye contact with you as you get off the boat and just slowly, very cordially nods as you disembark. Excellent. I nod back. And yeah, you are down in the docks of Cave Shore. So there is a ferry that goes to the city of Gimtarum. Kalesa explains this to you as you guys get off. She is kind of just rattling off facts to everybody else as you hop off the gangplank. Yeah, so the thing about Gimtarum is that it's all, like, built inside a big dam and inside a big semi-aquatic cave. Uh, There's really not a land route in there, so you've got to get a ferry. It's a total pain in the ass, but it's really, really cool. All right. So Kalesa knows exactly where the ferry booth is, where you go get your tickets and everything. She goes and handles all of that for you. You see the ferry. It's a big, flat-bottomed boat that has kind of a really interesting wooden wheel apparatus on the back. You've never really seen it before. There's no sails, which doesn't strike you as anything you've ever seen before. And yeah, this big, flat-bottomed boat pulls up and... A bunch of people on the dock start piling in. Uh, I'd like you to roll me a perception check. That's a 19. Yeah, okay, you don't see anything. So yeah, you pack onto this ferry with your party. (laughs) Phineas raises a couple eyebrows (laughs) as you guys get on. Arave, I think, keeps him up on deck, so he's not down sitting with people. And yeah, you guys purchase your tickets, you hop on, the ferry peels off into the ocean, and you start the several-hour journey up the coast to Gimtarum. Is there anything you'd like to do while you're on this boat ride with your party? Uh, Fia's trying not to have a fucking panic attack. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Fen doesn't know the exact details of why you're upset, but he's just kind of there trying to help, and just kind of sits there with an arm around you on... The, like, big kind of public bench seats on the lower floors of this ferry. And, yeah, you move up the coastline and close in on the city of Gimtarum. Fee, it's fucking wild. (laughs) It's just this huge broad-sided wall almost is what you would read it as that comes up out of the ocean that you can see from miles off in this boat. And as you draw closer, you can see that it's actually a dam that is stretching off between these two mountain peaks that is holding back the ocean. There's a very narrow entranceway that this ferry expertly navigates its way into. And you start to see technology working. Technology like you've never seen before. This ferry boat pulls into this narrow space, and the water that you're in starts draining and lowering. And then another gate, like a floodgate, opens ahead of you, and you glide forward, and the same process starts repeating. You've never seen anything like this before. Yeah, no, this is super wild. 
I think Fee is just kind of watching the water, thinking about uh, uh, recent experiences she's had that have changed her view on the ocean. With that said, Kalesa and Verity actually draw up beside you. Kalesa looks pretty calm. Kalesa's been here before several times. Verity's eyes are taking up half her face. Her jaw is on the floor and her eyes are so big. She has no idea what's going on here. Fee, just watching the water, just says, So, Kalesa, um, I would assume you know your way around this place? Uh, well enough, yeah. I mean, this is typically where Australian delegates or merchants stay whenever they're on their way somewhere else in the country. There's a good bit of Australian population here. The city itself is actually really cool. It's all built into this big under... Well, you'll see. The lock in front of you clicks open and the water rushes out and you guys glide forward through this very narrow cave mouth and the city of Gimtarm opens up before you. This massive subterranean cavern with a city literally hewn into the rock. It is pretty expansive in terms of size, but in terms of population density, it is beyond anything you've ever seen. There are just people crowding each other along these docks that you find yourself sailing up to. You can see a big press of people in the streets beyond them. And it is a diversity of people that Fee is definitely not used to. Fee has probably seen dwarves and gnomes before as part of Valduran political delegations that have come to Valentall for certain things. And the majority of the population here is dwarvish and gnomish, but you see a blend of people that you have only even read about or seen illustrations of before. There are humans and goblins and orcs from the far reaches of Tordun. There are tabaxi from the far north. You even see a couple Australian elves kind of darting back and forth and a couple infernal elves in all of these crowds of people pressed into the docks. It's... It's culture shock. <laughs> yeah, I think Fee, like, stops on the docks for a minute and just takes a couple deep breaths. As you stop at the bottom of the gangplank, go ahead and roll me one more perception check. It's a seven. That's a big fat seven. No, you don't really notice anything. You are just so shocked by this brave new world that you are encountering that you don't really have time to notice anything in your immediate periphery. Again, Kalesa looks fine. Arave looks more than a little unsettled. Fen is pressing himself back up against the edge of the docks and getting as far from people as he can and looking a little freaked. I think Fee just like reaches back a hand to him and just waits for a minute. He exhales kind of shakily, but then he reaches forward and grabs your hand and is going to follow you down to the end of the docks. Kalesa is leading the charge. She knows exactly where she's going. You get to the end of these docks and uh, you have the alert feed, so you can't be surprised. You see a short, dark haired blur just fucking booking it for you from like down the road where the docks are. Before you really have time to process what's going on, there is a pair of arms that are locked so tightly around your waist. 
and you look down and a Volduran garb clad, you notice that the style here is very different. So like leather over vests and very practical like pants and boots. A Volduran garb clad Lorelai Shakrana has got her two arms just locked around your waist. Fee hugs her back super tight and I think like crouches to like hug her tighter. Lorelai, you're okay. Behind Lorelai, you hear jingle, 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 and you see a similarly Volduran garb clad Sabine Javaris making her way up the road behind Lorelai, and she looks up at you and smiles in a way that's kind of bittersweet. The two of you look at each other and kind of have a moment where she just smiles at you and nods, and she reaches down and squeezes at Lorelai's shoulder and says, It is an immeasurable relief to see you in such good health, Grand Duchess. Ah, uh, you as well. Welcome to Kintarum. Uh, thankfully, Erevé was able to get in touch with us, and we were able to meet you here. We're quartered not too far outside the city. I don't want to drop any specific locations for, and she looks around at all the people pressing around you, and says, certain reasons. But Lorelai and I have been fine. I understand that you're here to tackle something to do with Soren's research, yes? Ah, uh, yes, uh, Soren and Arave's research, and I gestured Arave. Well, I'm afraid I can't help you much there. I didn't ever really have much of a brain for wizardry. But, um, Ferora, if you have a moment, there have been some things that, um, we talked about briefly in previous exchanges that I have figured out since we've been here. Okay, let's go somewhere with chairs. You make your way into this pretty seedy dockside bar. Sabine seems to definitely know where she's going. She has a hand on the back of Lorelai's neck like a mama cat with a kitten the entire time you are in this place. And just, like, pilots Lorelai to a table and sits her down. Lorelai looks fine. <laughs> like, she doesn't care what's going on. Because she's in Valduran clothes, she has a very, like, steampunk kind of style belt that attaches to, like, a bag on her hip that's also buckled around her leg. She reaches down into that and just pulls out a book <laughs> and starts reading while you guys sit down. You see Sabine kind of ruffle her hair and go up to a, a bar and order you guys drinks. She comes back with a round of ale for everybody. The inside of this bar is wild. Again, it's a very, like, concentrated amount of people that you're not used to, like, just high population in a small area. And also, again, just, like, that variety of people that you've never seen before. When you were pulling up to the docks, you saw, like, orcs, humans, goblins, a couple of Australians, a couple infernal elves, dwarves, gnomes. You see a couple other people milling around in here that, uh, ah, roll me, roll me history. That's a 24. With a 24, but given your lack of knowledge that you realistically would have, these people, as you look at them, they almost look Australian, but then you do a double take. And you see these people in very clearly sailor's garb that are all grouped around a table in the far corner. You think they're Australian at first glance, but when you look harder at them, you can see that they look very 
different from any Australian elf you've ever known in a few different ways. Australians are bioluminescent, obviously, you know, you glow softly in the dark and you have a certain amount of luminescence to your blood and to your skin. These people are also bioluminescent. You see in the low light of the bar, they are glowing slightly. They are also opalescent. As the low lights of the bar reflects off these people's skin, you see flashes of rainbow color, depending on how the angle of their skin is hitting the light. Almost like an abalone shell. They have solid white eyes in the way that you have solid black eyes. And you see one of them kind of smile as he's joking with one of his buddies, and it reveals a mouth of very sharp, shark-like teeth. And they have the long elven ears that you do. Sabine sees you looking and nudges you and kind of leans in and goes, Stormfolk merchants, they're probably bringing in a shipment of pearls or artwork from the Zephyr Isles. That's what Stormfolk look like. I've had the privilege of meeting a couple that are much prettier than that, but yes. Interesting. Fee nods and then takes a long sip of her drink. You all sit down around this big table, and Kalesa kind of slowly raises a hand and goes, Okay, um, I, again, you know, I don't have the full picture. Hi, everybody, I'm Kalesa. I don't think we ever- no, uh, we did meet Sabine. I'm sorry. Uh, we didn't get to talk much, and Kalesa winks <laughs> at her. He's gonna kick her under the table. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, I have a particular skill set, which is that I really like Gimtarum, and I've been around here a lot. So if you need help navigating or finding anything, um, oh, we should find somewhere to stay. There's not a consulate here. Yes, uh, Somewhere to transfer the night would be a good idea. Okay, um, well, how about I handle that, and you know what? No, I have a little bit of experience with this. We should stay at the Screeching Seagull. It's a little bit rough, but also they're super good at keeping their mouths shut, and they know me. So, uh, Fen, how about you and I roll out and handle lodgings, and then you guys come and meet us when you're done with whatever you need to do. Right. Uh... Yes, of course. Fen looks really uncertain about leaving you. Like, he's been sticking very close to your personal space this entire time. And he looks back and forth between you and Kalesa, and then looks back at you with a look that almost asks for permission. She grimaces to herself for a second, and then nods and says, Fen, it's fine. I'm safe with Sabine. Okay. He gets up. He looks really uncertain. He does reach down and squeeze Lorelai's shoulder, though, before he goes, because they know each other. Arave stands up, brushes off the front of her pants, and says, Well, I assume that while Fen and Kalesa are handling our lodgings, I should probably take point on the portal situation, given that I have the most contextual knowledge, yes? Uh, yes, absolutely. I trust your instincts on this issue and will follow your lead, Arave. Well, my lead and my past experience tells me that we need to find some sort of archive of information. I've heard very good things about Valduran Library, so- And Sabine raises a finger and says, Um, actually, we, uh, I have some business lined up for the Grand Duchess and I at the Northridge University Library. 
So that might be a very good place to start. Verity in the background, just sipping her drink slowly, goes, Okay, this all sounds really fun. What's a library? Uh, it's a place where they store uh, a large amount of books for people to read and hypothetically take other places. What's a book? Fee pauses for a second, <laughs> like just brain buffering, and says, "It it's a it's a it's a bunch of paper." Lorelai, without even changing the affect of her face, just lifts up the book that she's reading so Verity can look at it. And Verity kind of frowns down at the pages and goes, Huh. Yeah. That's a book. Libraries have a lot of them. You've never seen a- We'll talk about this later. Let's go to the library. Sabine goes up and pays for your drinks. As you guys are walking along, you feel her hand kind of press to the small of your back and guide you to the back of the pack so you can talk as everybody is walking. She's still directing them, and it also seems like Lorelai knows where she's going and is kind of trotting off towards this library, leading everybody down the road. Sabine leans in as soon as you guys are far enough back from the pack that you won't be overheard and says, So... I I hope that you will forgive me my perhaps inappropriate curiosity. I've been doing some digging since Lorelai and I landed here. All, all right, digging about what? About your particular situation and how it relates to... Beacon matters in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> and what exactly is my particular situation, Sabine? Being someone that is perhaps closer to the center of power than you were ever intended to be. Can I roll insight to see what she means by that? Yeah. So, twelve. You see she looks a little uncomfortable as she's mentioning this, like she knows it might be a sore spot for you. You would surmise that it has something to do with, like, your father and your family. Okay, yeah, I was afraid that was it. Yeah, uh, Feed grimaces and says, Right, uh... <sighs> There's someone who wants to talk to you. As soon as I knew you were coming, I realized that this might be a bit of a sensitive situation and asked him to meet us in a public space to make it a little easier on everybody, and he wholeheartedly agreed. But I think that if you really are in the business of wanting the truth now, that despite any discomfort, it may be worth hearing what he has to say. All, all right, who exactly... Sabine reaches down and grabs your hand and stops you where you're walking. I'm going to tell you the truth because you deserve it, but I need you to not balk and run on me, okay? Alright. I found your family. We're going to talk to your uncle. Fee's posture stiffens dramatically. <laughs> and if I don't want to talk to him? Like I said... There's no conditions on this. If you don't want to, you don't have to. But after having several conversations with him myself, 
I think he has some things to say that you'll be very interested in hearing. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Fee, like, clears her throat. I think this has become, like, a nervous gesture for her, like, the past week or so. I think she, like, presses her hand to the base of her throat again. Right. Uh. I'll be right there with you the whole time. I wouldn't put you in the situation if I didn't think you had anything to gain from it. Right. Uh, I appreciate that. Okay. Yeah, sure. Sabine has not stopped holding your hand as you guys are walking down this road. There's a big, long building that Lorelai leads you up to as you turn this corner. Everything in Gimtarum is very utilitarian looking. It's all very flat roofs, very functional looking buildings. You can tell that the city has been hewn out of the rock. So there's not a lot of very artistic architecture like you're used to in Australia with the big towering spires and the conical roofs. So yeah, there's this big, long, squat building that Lorelai leads you all up to. You go in. It is a large, very well-stocked, very well-organized library. You see Erebe immediately beeline for the card catalog. She knows exactly what she's looking for in here. As she goes, I go, Erebe, uh, good luck. <laughs> and then she's off. She just puts a thumbs up over one of her shoulders as she goes. Sabine turns away from you and lets go of your hand for the first time since you guys started walking. She crouches down and gets Lorelai by the shoulders and says, Okay, Lorelai, you remember where the entomology section is, right? The place with all the butterfly books? And Lorelai nods and goes, Yeah, it's upstairs to the left, down three shelves. Uh, do you want me to go hang out there? Sabine nods with a big fake smile and says, yeah, you know what? That'd be great. I'll come get you before we leave, okay? Lorelai shrugs and goes, okay, and trots up off a big staircase that's going up into the upper floors of this library, and she disappears. Verity, I think, peels off with Arabe and goes to, like, maybe <laughs> try to help her, which is comical. Um, yes, Verity is going to be of so much help in the library. <laughs> Full of books, which she doesn't know what those are. And you're left alone with Sabine. She turns around to you and nods and says, I will wait for you to be ready. He's already here. If you don't want to do this, you can back out. No, you, uh, you think this is a good idea, so let's get it over with. Okay. She leads you back through this library. It's pretty similar to the library at the Order of Iluna. There's a lot of big, long tables where people are sat down studying, extensive stacks of books winding off into the distance, and like many libraries, there is a suite of private study rooms out towards the back. You see Sabine reach into the pocket of her leather corset that she has on over her puffy Valduran shirt, and she pulls out a key on a ring. She reaches down and unlocks this door. It swings open. Behind this door is a well-appointed study room. It has a nice, rich, mahogany table, several seats organized around it, a couple books, a small bookshelf in the back. But sitting at the table 
is an infernal elf man, equivalent of early 40s. He has very similar shaped horns to you, the big curling black horns. He has dark black hair, kind of curly, a little bit shaggy down around his pointed ears. He has similar lavender skin tone, flat black eyes, and a very well-trimmed kind of pointy black goatee. He has a clever look about him, you kind of notice. He's dressed very fabulously. Like, he's in Vulduran clothes, but you see that he has, like, a peacock feather tucked back into his hair and a big fancy cravat on under his vest. Tall leather boots. Curled up next to him on the table as he's pouring over this book in front of him is a short-haired, sleek, black cat that looks up at you and its eyes glow. It has heterochromic eyes, one blue, one green. And you can sense the magic coming off this thing. You can tell that it is a familiar. This man takes one look at you, snaps his book shut, and goes, By the Stormbringer. Sorry, it's just, you were (laughs) in diapers the last time I saw you. He stops in the doorway and kind of clears her throat and goes, Aha, lovely to meet you. He stands up, does a short, clipped bow, a very Australian greeting, you note, and goes, I suppose you wouldn't remember me. Um, my name's Adore. I'm, well, I'm your uncle. Fee does a nod and a bow back and says, Ah, I'm... Ferrara. He nods, reaches over, and scratches his little black cat on top of the head. And as he reaches over, you can see that he has a wand tucked into kind of like this steampunk Valduran-style leather holster that's strapped under his armpit. And he folds himself back down into his chair and steeples his fingers. The way he carries himself is, like, weirdly familiar. (laughs) And also, you remember seeing this vision of him and your mother as much younger people, teenagers, essentially, when Honor showed you that recollection spell back in the Silent City. But this is emphatically one of those people. Like, it's definitely him. He leans back in his chair, fingers steepled in front of him, and says, I suppose you have questions. Uh, I'm actually here because I was told you wanted to speak to me. I might be totally wrong in this, he says, kind of puts his hands up defensively. But Sabine and I both have reason to believe that you may have been lied to about many of the circumstances of your life. She winces. Yes, uh... Forgive me if it's insensitive, but I was told that my mother had issues with, uh, and then one hand reaches up to brush her hair back behind her horns. A door reaches up and he taps at one of his own horns and goes, So, you seem like a smart girl. I'm sure you've probably already figured out that that was bullshit, yes? Yes, and it leaves me wondering exactly how much of what I was told was a lie. 
Well, thankfully, I'm very capable of answering that, he says. He pushes his book to the side. The cat comes over, Fee, and sniffs at your hand and then leans down and nuzzles at your wrist. Oh, I'm gonna scritch the cat behind the ear. It purrs, very satisfied. This cat, you notice, is, like, hovering around you like it notices that you are upset. It keeps, like, weaving back and forth between your arm and your waist, just kind of, like, staying with you. Adore reaches down and smiles at it and scratches it under the chin. He says, Sabine informs me that you have already encountered our people. I believe you spoke with honor, yes? Yes, I had a conversation with her. I'm currently traveling with her daughter. Oh my god, she had a kid. I'm so old. He <laughs> says, and like rakes a hand back through his hair. If it's any comfort, you don't look it. That'll be the skincare routine, he says. <laughs> I hate his Just ass. a big, crooked, rakish grin. He laughs a little bit and then sobers significantly, nods to himself. Your mother and I are twins. I'm not sure how much Honor and her kid, apparently, have told you, but among our folks, it's sort of a tradition to go forth into the world once you turn 100. So many of us grow up in the Silent City, we have no scope of the world beyond its walls, and... Many of our elders thought it unfair that we not have the chance to at least go out and experience what we were missing. Many people leave and immediately come back. Your mother was of a mind that we would go out and make something of ourselves. I won't sugarcoat things for you. We were young. We were foolish. We had no idea what we were getting into. Because of her magical prowess, we ended up rotating in some high-profile social circles in Valental. We didn't know what to expect, and... I don't mean to speak ill of your mother. She is my best friend and the person I am closest to in the world. She was very naive and willing to believe that people who showed her kindness inherently had her best interests in heart. You can put together what happened from there. You came along. She was terrified, didn't know what to do, and we stayed around the Valentall area at your father's request for a few years after that, and then once your magic started manifesting, he got a lot more interested. Ferora, I need you to understand, this wasn't your father made your mother an offer she couldn't in good conscience refuse. Life was not easy for us in Valentall, and to have someone come to her and say, I can make sure that your child has the highest quality of life, the best education, the best chance in the world for someone like her, it's not a deal that's easy to turn down. All we had to do was go away. 
yes, uh, with an offer like that, there is certainly a right choice. She heaps sighs and kind of puts one hand up to his forehead, leans down on the table. She doesn't know you're here. Sabine advised that I not tell her. If you would like to talk to her, we live a couple blocks away. She, like, kind of wraps her arms around herself. I'd like to roll an insight check. Yeah, go ahead and roll insight on him. Fifteen. He's being 100% honest. The earnestness with which this man is talking to you is more honesty than anything you've ever gotten from your father. He is 100% telling you the truth, as far as he understands it. I understand that there are some complex emotions involved in this, and I would hate to push you. But as far as I've heard, it sounds like you have been touched by the Stormbringer in a very prominent way. And I just wanted to put before you that there is a person who exists that could maybe give you some answers. Fee takes a very deep breath and then says, Yes, I suppose I should meet her. Adore nods, stands up, kind of clicks his tongue, and the cat hops up on his shoulder, drapes itself around both his shoulders. And you guys walk out of the library. On your way out, I need you to roll a perception check. Fifteen. That was close, buddy. It was a DC 20, but yeah, you don't notice anything. Fee is just looking at the floor on the way out, and she has her hands fisted in the fabric of her skirt. Sabine does that thing again where she reaches down and presses a hand to the small of your back reassuringly, but then she steps back and goes... I'm going to go get Lorelai. I feel like this is an issue for you two. You know how to get in touch with me if you need me. Uh, yes. Um, check on Erevay and Verity as well, please. Absolutely. We'll see you back at the inn. I'll see you there. And Fee just goes. Adore leads you very confidently out of this library. He has quite a bit of panache in the way that he carries himself. The whole world is this man's runway, you can tell. You follow him down these winding, narrow streets to a more residential, it looks like, area of the city. He leads you up to a modest but comfortable-looking stone row house, like a townhouse almost. The residential architecture in Gimtarum is very much like English row houses, where the houses are all touching, but they have like little private gardens and gated areas out front. And he leads you up to one of these. He keys inside. Are you following? I think he pauses on the doorstep. And then she goes inside. This door swings open. The decor in here is simple but comfortable. There's a small living room with a couch and a couple chairs and a small fireplace, a little kitchen with a round table and several wooden chairs around it. There's a narrow set of stairs that go up into the second story of the house and a small hallway that goes back. He ushers you into this living room area and kind of motions for you to sit down on the couch. 
Adore wanders back out of the room once he has you sat down, kind of cranes his neck up the steps and goes, Allure! Allure! Fee still has her hands just fisted in the fabric of her skirt, but I think she slowly releases it and like brushes her skirt flat with a crackle of static electricity. You hear a skitter from the second story of the house, and another cat, a little black cat, comes running down the stairs. It is not an adult cat, though. It is a kitten. It looks like the kitten of Adore's black cat that is, like, stretched around his shoulders still. It comes running down the stairs, hops up on the couch next to you in the living room, and goes, up at you. Fee says, oh, hi there. And then scrooches the cat on its head. It purrs and immediately climbs into your lap and curls up. And then you hear a couple more frantic footsteps from upstairs, like running down the steps. You can see the bottom of the staircase from where you're sitting in the living room. A young, like, elven equivalent of maybe, like, eight, nine years old infernal elf girl with kind of darker purple skin than you, but the same flat black eyes and the same facial structure and the same curly black hair skids to the bottom of the steps and goes, Oh my gosh, Smokey, I'm so sorry, and comes over and scoops the cat up out of your lap. You see from the doorway, a door looks a little awkward and kind of nods to himself and goes, Um, Fee bites down so hard on the inside of her cheek. Adore looks highly awkward and has a very stilted smile on his face, tilts his head to the side. He says, Courage, um, where's your mom? And the little girl, Courage, you guess, has her little cat in her hands, and you see, like, little sparks of magic around her fingers as she's petting down this little kitten's fur on top of its head. She says, Oh, she went to the market. We're out of eggs. She'll be back in a minute. She takes a really deep breath and says, If it's trouble, I can I can just go. This little girl looks up at you and she frowns. She holds her cat a little closer and goes, Are you allergic? I'm sorry. No, it's uh it's fine. It it's very fine. I like your dress. Thank you. Uh thank you so much. It was uh it was a present. And Fee, like, kind of inclines her head and says, The cat's really no trouble. Uh, it seems very sweet. I think he likes you. She goes to hand the cat back over to you, and it, like, tries to climb up the arm of your dress. <laughs> I like him, too. And then Fee scratches the cat and then removes it from her dress and hands it back to Courage. From the doorway, a door still looking really stilted and awkward goes, Um... Courage, honey, why don't you go play in your room for a second? Uh, we need to wait for your mom to get back, okay? She frowns at him, but doesn't seem to really put much together. But she nods and scoops the cat back up in her arms, and she looks over at you and she goes, Okay, um, it was nice to meet you. Hi, I'm Courage. Hi, I'm Ferrara. That's a pretty name. Okay, I'm gonna go up to my room now, and she- takes the cat and she leaves and runs back up the stairs. Adore just kind of puts his head in his hands as soon as she leaves and goes, that was something that was probably going to be discussed later. 
I, uh, I understand. Life goes on. I can't imagine what you've been through. No, you can't. Sometimes people make wrong choices and think that it's the right one. But that's not something you should have to live with. I... Courage is a great kid. She's smart, sharp as a knife at magic. Don't think for a second that either of us ever forgot you. Right. Of course. And then Fee just nods and she just looks at the floor. You sit there in silence for several more minutes. Adore's cat familiar climbs down off his shoulder and kind of situates itself between you and starts nuzzling your hand. And after several minutes, you hear a key click in the lock. With a basket of food and eggs and a couple other things in her hand, a tall, lavender-purple infernal elf woman, pretty young to have a kid your age, comes in the door. She has a couple streaks of gray in her hair, same facial structure as you. It, it's an uncanny resemblance. Same curly, long, thick black hair. Same pattern of horns. Everything. She goes to put this basket down on a side table in by the front door and says, Courage, you'll never guess what I found. They had that honey vendor there that you like when... And she looks up and sees you two in the living room. I'm going to roll insight for her to just see. Now she's confused. She doesn't understand. She looks in at you two. She looks back and forth from you to a door really quick and goes, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know we were going to have company. I'll go put some tea on. He says, That's not necessary. I don't plan to stay long. Adora kind of fiddles with his goatee a little bit as he stands up and says, Allure, um, I am so aware that you're going to kick my ass for not telling you about this. This is Ferrara, the Grand Duchess of Australia. This woman looks back over at you in this weird bizarre feeling of looking in a mirror and quietly just whispers oh, oh. yes uh, as I was telling your brother and courage if it's trouble I don't need to stay she looks like somebody has fully just slapped her across the face you can tell she was in no way prepared for this. She slowly just hangs the shawl around her shoulders up on a hook on the wall and shakes her head and says, N No, of course not. Why would it be any... I'm, I'm sorry, what are you doing here? <sighs> I'm in town on a bit of a business matter. And I thought it would be good to stop in. We have a lot to talk about. This woman 
your mother takes a few steps into this little living room area where you are. She reaches out her hand and almost touches your face, and at the last minute closes her hand into a fist and pulls it away. She says, I know that I should have kept you with us. If you're here looking for an apology, I'll give it to you with my whole heart, but if you're here for excuses, I don't have any. Other than that I was young and scared and that I wanted you to be alright. Fee laughs, just humorlessly. <laughs> alright. Is that what I am? <laughs> I I couldn't have given you any kind of life. We were starving. We barely had a roof over our heads. He said that... <laughs> He said that what? Things would be better? This is better for me. I... <sighs> Felix stands up off the couch and just very carefully skirts around this woman, like does not touch her, and says, I was lied to for my entire life. I, I, I was told that there was something about me that I couldn't change that was unlovable and unwantable. I had no one that I could trust to be on my side and not leave. And that is because of you. I spent my entire life being told that who I am is not acceptable. And I cannot count the pieces of myself that I hacked off to make myself smaller in an effort to be at least as hard to be ashamed of as I could. My entire life. She listens to you as you say this, and as she processes exactly what the fallout of that decision has been, forgets the distance between you and almost reaches out like she's going to grab your hand, and there is a and in the space where your two hands are not touching there is a warm flickering lightning glow you look up at your mother and her hair is being blown by like a non-existent breeze she closes her eyes and tilts her head to the side like she is listening to something and then purses her lips nods and takes a step back from you there is nothing I can do to fix or make up for what happened to you, and I am so sorry. If there were any way for me to go back and make a different decision, I would. But there's not. I let you down, and I'm sorry. But there's nothing that I could do to change it, other than be here, if you want me to be. I appreciate the offer. I don't forgive you. And then she nods and takes a couple steps through the door. She follows behind you almost in step with you, reaching into one of her pockets. And she doesn't say anything. She's really not even making eye contact with you, but she holds out her hand. Remind me 
do you still have the cape on? Yes. She holds out her hand, and resting in the palm of her hand, there is a small crystal orb that is filled with these swirling, smoky colors, these dark, bruise-like blacks and dark blues and purples and dull greens. And as your mother holds out this orb, you feel across your shoulders an arcane reactivity in the gift of the Stormbringer. The whole cape just feels like it is made of static electricity. And as you look down at this otherworldly silk fabric swirling around your torso, you can see that the colors in this sphere and the colors in the cape are swirling perfectly in sync. There is a little lightning strike down through the cape, like cloud-to-cloud lightning, and you see it reflected in the orb. Uh, what is this? A family heirloom. I think you're supposed to have it. The reaches out and grabs the orb. She is very carefully trying not to touch her mother's hand. You pick it up. You don't have to try to attune to it, which is weird. It automatically attunes to you. You have a plus one arcane focus now. She takes a step back. She's giving you your space, and you see your uncle just absently petting the cat on his shoulder in the background, just looking grief-stricken, like he regrets everything. She just stops, and she says, What name would you have given me? Or did you give me, I suppose? I'm given to understand that the one that I was raised with is not exactly common among your people. Your mother looks like someone has just knocked the wind out of her. She curls in on herself like she has just been struck in the chest and looks just absolutely grief-stricken and heartbroken. And in a manner that again is so unsettlingly familiar, she straightens her posture, smooths down the front of her clothes, and says, Fortune. I think I like mine better. You have a beautiful home, and your daughter seems lovely. And then she leaves. You walk away out the front door, shut the door behind you. You are turning around to shut the front gate of the little garden, and you look up in the big second floor bay window of this house. Courage is standing with her little kitten perched on her shoulder and one hand pressed against the glass. She looks down and she sees you and smiles and waves. Yeah, she starts walking away and I think she pulls out her beacon coin and sends a message to Sabine and says, I'll see you at the inn. Sabine messages you back through the coin. You get a couple cross streets. Uh, Roll a survival check. 
with advantage because Sabine's helping you. Sixteen. You're able to find this inn. It's big and rowdy. Uh, large dwarvish presence in here. It seems to be a lot of like dwarvish sailors from a little further down at the port. But it's a little bit less seedy than the place that you guys were in earlier today. It's warm. There's a big fire going. And as you walk in, you see all of your party except for Arave are seated in a big corner booth. Fee walks over and slides into the booth. Takes a very deep breath. And then I'm going to look at Kalesa. And I'm going to say, Kalesa, I'm about to say six words to you that you've been waiting to hear for our entire friendship. I want to get blackout drunk. Everybody else at this table is kind of talking to each other. Verity is trying to read Fen's palm and he looks really shady about it. Sabine's talking to Lorelai about her book that she's reading. Kalesa slams her hands flat down on the table and goes, Everybody shut up! (laughs) She closes her eyes and takes in a deep breath, just through the biggest smile, and lets out a crow of victory that can probably be heard all the way down at the docks. She hops up, vaults over this table with her roguelike grace, puts two fists up in the air, and goes, Let's go! Fee smiles and nods and says, Yes, let's go, let's go now. You all pull up to, honestly, one of the strangest buildings you've ever seen in your life. There is this loud, thumping, lung-rumbling bass coming from inside of this building. You can see just a sea of people inside this building, all kinds of crazy, magical and technological flashing lights. You've never been to a nightclub before, but Kalesa obviously has. Kalesa knows the doorman at this place (laughs) and gets you guys in. I love Kalesa so much. So you walk in and it is just a phantasmagoria of delight in here. There are just so many drunk people. People are dancing. There's a bunch of pool tables down on one side. Big long bar with a couple gnomish bartenders behind it doing like crazy bottle flips and shit. It's wild as hell. And Kalesa beelines it for the bar and comes back to the lot of you. Again, Arave is still not here, but you get the feeling that if she needed you, she would have messaged you. Kalesa just comes back and starts passing out shots to everybody. They're these, like, weird, candy-colored, long-fluted shot glasses that smell very sweet. Fee grabs the glass, like, by the bottom and immediately downs it. (laughs) And then says, okay, another one. Kalesa has never been more delighted in her life. You need to roll a con save, but also you are undoubtedly hammered. Very quickly. It's an 11. You are, like, not falling down drunk, but you are intoxicated. (laughs) Kalesa gets so drunk that at one point she just, like, leaves. (laughs) (laughs) She just is talking to you one second, and then you turn around the next second, and you just see her, like, wandering off into a crowd. She just leaves. Roll me a perception check, please. That's a 10. 
Oh good, you just met the DC for this. Kalesa leaves and just wanders off into the crowd. You turn back around the other way and you see Verity just in a corner with some elf adjacent looking dude with like these long fluted deer-like ears. They're just fully playing tonsil hockey in this corner. <laughs> and you are just alone in the middle of this dance floor when behind you, you hear some jingles coming up to you. These shoulders relax a little bit. She's just sitting there, shot glass in hand, like bopping like a white mom on a TV show. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Just rocking side to side. And she turns to look at Sabine, just this easy smile on her face. Sabine is kind of going up on her toes and dropping her heels down to make her bells jingle in time with the beat of the song that's going on. It seems like it's a subconscious thing. She's just kind of grooving. And she looks back over at you, raises an eyebrow, nods over the rim of her dirty martini and says, I'm guessing you don't want to talk about it over the music. There is nothing I would like less. (laughs) She goes to say something else and there's just this thumping beat in the background the music is so loud and she yells over the deep drum beat well if you're looking for a distraction i could use a dance partner i feel like tips her head back and just laughs and says my mother has a daughter and she's younger than lorelei i would love to dance with you let me see how elsa bean handles that (laughs) let me roll performance for her real quick (laughs) Sabine rolled a 28 to performance. Yeah! She is fully unfazed by that and sweeps you up. It is wonderful and terrible in its euphoric juxtaposition to the just utter dread that you have felt today. But she holds you super close and swings you through this dance, the sparks flying off her bracers around her wrists and her ankles dancing lights floating up into the magically manufactured fog hovering above this dance floor, and it is the first time that you have felt honest to God free maybe in your entire life. Because you are now fully aware that you have nothing left to lose. Sabine, you also are noticing now, is pretty drunk. You have a thought of Oh God, who's watching Lorelai? And then you look out the front window of this place and you see Fen and Lorelai at a coffee shop across the street, just looking at her butterfly book together. So Sabine (laughs) stumbles up to the bar to get you guys some more drinks and you kind of get buffeted by the people around you. You look over and see Kalesa (laughs) at a pool table. She does not look like she is in good shape. Oh no. (laughs) Over the music, he's gonna yell, Are you winning? She, like, leans on her pool cue to stay upright and goes, I'm losing so bad. I can see that, unfortunately. But I'm making friends! You see her turn around. She is very clearly getting her ass hustled at pool by, objectively, the biggest, most beautiful man you've ever (laughs) seen in your life. Big... Tall, heavy-set, half-orc dude, long hair up in a ponytail, like all kinds of crazy tattoos, cool gold jewelry hanging off his tusks. He's handing Kalesa's ass to her in pool and like scraping a bunch of her money across the pool table while she's not looking and like dumping it into his pocket. 
Watch, watch your elbows. Look, Kalesa. Kalesa turns around and she points at this dude and she goes, Beginner's luck. We're gonna go for burgers later because you seem cool. And this dude throws his head back and laughs and racks up another set of pool balls so they can go again and he can take more of Kalesa's money from her. I, I can't stop you. <laughs> yeah, Fia's just bopping. <laughs> yeah, you continue to bop for a while. Sabine comes over to where you are. She returns. Her jingle's still going, still putting sparks up into the air. She's a one-woman party. She goes, Okay, this sucks. It doesn't suck, because I love her so much. She's such a good kid. I gotta I gotta go home and put Lorelai to bed. She's been out way too late. Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, are you a giggly drunk? That's so cute. <laughs> He giggles again. Stop, stop it. Stop it. I don't want to stop it. I think you're cute. I could say that to the Grand Duchess, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> but you can <laughs> you can definitely say it to Fee. Okay, Fee, I think you're cute. I gotta go put my little teenager to bed. So true. I oh my gosh, I should lay down. <laughs> Okay, how about you just, how about you just come with us? Come on. And she, like, gets an arm around your shoulder. She goes to lead you out of this club over to where Fen is still babysitting Lorelai across the street at the 24-hour cafe. (laughs) She goes to turn around to grab her cloak out of the coat room. And in doing so, she accidentally kind of shifts and whips you around and you bodily just smack into somebody. Whoop! Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) This person that you have just bumped into much smaller than you lets out this drunken laugh and goes, Oh my god, I'm I'm so sorry. Uh, Hot men, you know, I just can't. And Fee, you are suddenly sober as a judge. Because you know that voice. Fee, like, stumbles back. This person that had backed into you turns around, and you see... a small, lean, Australian elven man... Cool blue skin, bright blue eyes, long white hair. Dressed very provocatively, and on the arm of the guy that you saw hustling Kalesa at pool earlier. The two of you make a long, silent moment of eye contact. Your brother takes a step back. And in stereo, you both say, Shit. And that is where we are going to wrap up for this week. (laughs) Fucking hate it here. Anyway, see you guys next time. 
on Compel Duel. Hey everybody, Barry here with the Postscript, just wrapping up a couple housekeeping things here at the end of the episode. As always, you can find us on social media. We are on Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok at Compelled Duel. You can also find us on TikTok at Compelled Duel Audios, where we post audio snippets from the show. Additionally, we have lots of other cool things, like an official Spotify account where we post episode playlists, character playlists, stuff like that. Uh, We also have an official website. You can find both of those on all of our social media profiles. If you're enjoying the podcast, we ask that you consider pledging to our Patreon. Starting at just $2 a month, you can get early access to all of our episodes, priority submissions for our weekly Q&As, and at our higher tiers, you can get stuff like access to exclusive playlists on the Spotify, or even letters from your favorite character every month. We host a live Q&A show every Monday at 3pm PST over on our YouTube channel, You should be able to find us by just searching Compelled Duel on YouTube. We would love it if you all would come, ask a couple questions, or even just hang out. If you're interested in supporting the podcast in other ways than pledging to our Patreon, we ask that if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, that you drop us a rating and a review. That's going to help us get promoted to a wider audience. A little bit of a heads up, next week, now that the Val signs are back together again, We will be going back to our original co-DMing format, so like how we were running things in episode one. So the format next week is going to be a little bit different, it might take some getting used to, but that's going to be how we're doing things for pretty much the remainder of the campaign. Episode 20 is going to be coming out on Friday, April 16th, or if you're a member of our Patreon, you're going to get access to that on Thursday, April 15th. Strap in, everybody, it's going to be a bumpy ride. See you next week, thanks so much.